Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, fresh off the Super Bowl, um, pretty sure we all watched that one. Uh, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some, uh, some LSU coaching hires, recruiting. Uh, I think we might even get into basketball, even some basketball recruiting, uh, whatever we have time for. Uh, before we do that, just want to let you know, uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, please do so, at TalkinTigs, no G, no, no G in Talkin'. Uh, we're also on Facebook as the Talkin' Tigs podcast, and you can find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh, before we get going, just wanted to check in with the co-host, uh, see how you guys are doing. Doing great. Another week back at it again. Kind of ready to just talk a little bit of sports ball with you, Scott. Amen. Yep. Super Bowl's over. Officially uh, the end of football season. I know it's not LSU football, but they had some former standouts playing in there, which we'll go over in a second. But it was it was definitely better than the previous year uh, with the the Patriots and the Rams. That one was a snooze fest. This one at least had some some intrigue. Pat Mahomes out there slinging it around with the comeback. So that was fun to watch. Just like LSU basketball was fun to watch this past week as they picked up two more big wins. So uh, excited to dive into all of that. Amen. Um, well, I guess we could, uh, I'd like to jump into this Super Bowl since that just happened. I, I know you guys watched, watched it, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, you didn't just watch for the halftime show. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I wanted to see what you guys thought about the game because, you know, it was kind of a resemblance of what the Chiefs had done the last two games, you know, falling behind and then coming back to win. Um, they weren't down 24 to nothing, but they, they you know, they, they could have been. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of uh, reminiscent of the Tigers uh, championship game, you know, getting down by 10 not really been down like that all season, I and mean, then just reeling off 21 straight and uh, just taking it to the house. Uh, so yeah, whoever wants to start can, man. Uh, what you know? What, what about that game? I say some people were asking me at work like who I was going to be rooting for in the Super Bowl. Like if I was watching, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going for the Chiefs. Like I don't really have a dog in this fight, but they got some former LSU players. There's a couple on the, the 49ers too, but I just like the way they play. And I literally said that I was like, they remind me a lot of LSU, just the way they can just rattle off points, just dynamic, speedy wide receivers, and then a couple thumpers at running back. And so they ended up doing all that. And then it was a hard-fought game. I wouldn't say it was the most thrilling, like we've had some Super Bowls in recent memory, but definitely a nice one. Uh, big Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, it was very Miami-esque. And, yeah, a whole spectacular. Glad to see Andy Reid take down that trophy. And I think he went and got a big old cheeseburger afterwards, so that's pretty great. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it was uh, – I, I wasn't as much into this game. It's probably one of the first games um, – well, I, you know, I guess since since the national championship, you know, this has been the first game that I watched as intensely as possible and that I didn't really care about. And so, uh, you know, the, uh, it was it was fun to watch. I, I like Pat Mahomes; he's fun to watch. And um, you know, I, obviously, Tyron Matthews on the Chiefs, and uh, I was really happy to see him get a uh, get get a Super Bowl and get a championship. You know, especially after the way that the, the BCS championship happened in 2012, that he was on that team. So, um, you know, overall, I kind of agree. I think the game was, I wouldn't say boring, but it wasn't, you know, as thrilling as, as, uh, as you hope for in a, in a championship game, but, um, you know, definitely a fun watch and, uh, glad to be, 
you know, glad to see, watch that event, the kind of cultural event that the Super Bowl is at, uh, every year. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad the Chiefs won. I'd rather have the Chiefs than the Niners, especially with the way that they, uh, they beat the Saints this year. So glad to see that and, and glad for uh, a couple of LSU, uh, former LSU Tigers to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would say either way, uh, LSU Tigers were gonna some LSU Tigers were gonna come out with a Super Bowl ring, but uh, yeah, I didn't really feel any allegiance to to either team, not necessarily the the, the Niners either, because you know I, I know typically, uh, at least in the SEC, um, you know if say Auburn was playing for the title but LSU wasn't in it, you know I, I think typically SEC fans would you know more or less more or at least more times than not cheer for Auburn to win because it just, you know, it's, they can boast about the conference, even if their team itself is not in it. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I didn't feel that way with the Niners. I could, I, I was kind of very impartial. Usually I'd like one team to win. Usually I'm pulling for someone against the Patriots, uh, but I didn't have to do that this year. So I was totally impartial. I, I will say though, that I just happened to put on uh, a long sleeve t-shirt that I had. It was my high school football team and uh their name was the chiefs different colors but i, I don't know i guess i just brought that chief that chief energy yesterday spooky. yeah i know right um but i i'm definitely glad for for andy reed and you know that's one of the things that kind of stuck out you know a lot of guys that were commenting on the social media were saying you know good for andy reed he deserves it he was probably the the best coach to never have one that is still coaching uh, many say, um, but yeah, that's one thing Tyrone Matthew said in one of his uh, interviews was, you know, it's, I'm you know good for Coach Reed or I'm happy for Coach Reed. So it just, uh, I thought that was awesome. You know, it just shows how the the players respect this guy, and um, you know the Chiefs too for for giving him a chance, even though he, I don't know, just never seemed to to take the Eagles into the promised land or at least win it. But uh, but good for him, good for them. Uh, it's you know Patrick Mahomes' l- legend just keeps on growing because uh, he won the Super Bowl the you know the year he won the MVP so I don't know where where he, what his uh, follow up act's going to be but uh, you know he had a kind of okay game but you know he played well when it counts and in the end that's uh, that's all that matters and, and you know Daniel I think Daniel or I know Daniel will agree with me on this and I'm 23 Daniel's 23 Patrick Mahomes is 24. When you watch a guy like that, and he's yeah, reigning NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion, multimillionaire, extreme extreme talent, you know, people are already putting him in the Hall of Fame. It really makes a, a you know the young people like me just feel terrible about myself because I'm here. <laughs> and all I all I do every day is you know I go to work and then do this little podcast. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pat Mahomes is probably like a couple months older than me, and he's winning Super Bowls and and crushing records and everything like that. So uh, thanks a lot, Pat Mahomes, you know, kind of for making me feel bad, but good for you. Yeah, thanks for kind of outing me on our on our broadcast here. But uh, one one note that I saw that kind of might have stung for some fans of of local area in Louisiana was the 49ers right before the first half long pass to George Kittle down the sideline, and he got called for offensive pass interference and oh. kind of a dicey call where he may have put a hand on the defender, and that would have put the 49ers up going in the half and getting the ball back. And then it reminded me, and I saw some people on Twitter talking about this as well, and 
the Saints game in the playoffs this year against the Vikings when Kyle Rudolph caught the touchdown pass at the end to win it. And he definitely had more contact on the Saints defender than uh, George Kittle did on this one. So everybody's saying that they should have called pass interference or offensive pass interference, and the Saints should have been in there, and there was a whole other deal. Uh, so kind of two bitter ends in a row for uh, the New Orleans Saints. But it is what it is. We probably wouldn't have beaten the Chiefs either, if I'm going to be honest. But uh, – that was just something that people were talking about. Well, maybe yeah. maybe Morris Mark can uh, can do another class action lawsuit or whatever against the NFL. <laughs> yeah. So you know. uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I saw that too, and it's you could say, well, yeah, the the NFL needs to, you know, they'll just put out some press release. Yeah, we're going to look at things in the off season and see how we can improve. Blah 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 blah. But it is it's it's they've got to be embarrassing because that that is the same call. Uh, the only thing I would say is, well, Daniel, you know, it's uh, one was just a, a play in the first quarter, while the other would have decided the game. We didn't want to call the game on a, you know, that's probably one thing that they'll say. But uh, it, but it's it, most important to get the call right when it does decide the game. I don't know. I not agree. to not to rant I here. <laughs> I agree. No, I totally that could be like your rant of the week. Oh, true. I'll come back with an even hotter one next week. <laughs> Well, yeah, I just I, I want to see you let loose though. Right now you're about at one. I want to see you at a ten. Um, just just go full mad dog with it. All right, I don't uh, think it's possible for me to get that mad, but we'll see. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So uh, Tyron Matthew, I think he had a pretty good game. You know, it wasn't. Uh, uh, I I thought I noticed him having a couple, you know, touchdown saving tackles on some uh, on some running back runs. Um, you know, but in, you know, just being where the ball is, but, uh, no, like game changing plays, but, you know, I guess they didn't need to, uh, that was, that was left for the offense. Um, and they just had to kind of shut the Niners down, which they did. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy that the chiefs were down 10 and then just reeled off 21 straight. Uh, and it, I, <laughs> there was something else that was floating around is, um, that's got to be kind of embarrassing for for Kyle Shanahan. Um, I mean, good on him for finally getting his job at the at the head coaching position. But this is pretty much the same collapse that happened to the Falcons when they played the Patriots. Yeah, that's brutal. But then he was up twenty eight to three um, with I think uh, about the same time in the fourth quarter. Patriots scored more then, but still, it's like what what is his what is the thinking in the end of the game where? Because you could see Garoppolo like missing guys, overthrowing them. He, was, you know, he had people in his face, which uh, uh, changed the the throw. But uh, but still, like why why is he throwing for three, four plays in a row when all he really needs to do is take some time off the clock? Did you did you guys uh, draw draw those connections? Yeah, I think I saw a stat where it's like they only ran the ball like three times in the last like quarter and a half or something like that. When that's yeah. obviously the strength of their offense and the ability to chew up the clock, so they just kind of completely went away from what their their game plan was, which doesn't make much sense at all. And the, the vaunted San Francisco defense kind of started falling apart. Richard Sherman got exposed by Sammy Watkins at the end. I'm sorry, <laughs> Richard, um, but. Yeah, maybe they should have hired a better defensive coordinator, kind of like a guy from Youngstown State, but that's whatever. Mm. Nice little tease there. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we could just uh, take that take that one and run with it. Um, as Daniel here just alluded to, um, LSU has acquired its defensive coordinator. It did so 
right after our podcast. I guess they were waiting for us to to wrap up. So so thank you for that. But uh, next time, just you know, release it whenever you need to, guys, because um, we could have snuck that one in there. But LSU, I would say hire, but they actually rehire Bo Pelini, and uh, Yang came from Youngstown State to to be their defensive coordinator. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm sure people are going to have mixed feelings about this. I think this is a great hire. Uh, and I'm happy to have him back. I can't wait to see what he does, especially if they switch to a 4-3 defense from the 3-4 that Aranda's been employing. Uh, let's start with you, Tommy. What's, uh, you know, what's your instant take on it? Instant take? I like the hire. You know, we talked about it last week. Uh, and really, you know, that Bo Pelini was the only name that was seriously being talked about when all, with all the rumors, yeah. which I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, with all these jobs, you think, uh, you know, oh, they're going to name they, There's at least three or four names going around. But it seemed like, a, you know, 100% this was the guy. And, you know, I think that um, for one thing, you know, you got to trust Coach O. Uh, he's, he's been great hiring people pretty much ever since Matt Canada, um, you know, ever since he chose <laughs> to get rid of Matt Canada, I should say, or saw the so, like, Omaha. Let me read you that. He's been, <laughs> he's been great on the hires, you know, with the exception of Matt Canada. And um, I think that I, I totally agree about the 4-3. I think that our personnel really fits well with a 4-3 defense. You know, we got the big, uh, big defensive linemen, big, you know, powerful, talented defensive linemen, and then uh, it allows our, our linebackers to uh, to be, really be able to work downhill, and they don't have to. It doesn't put as much pressure on our uh, on our outside linebackers uh, to have to do too much. You know, right now, uh, this past year with a 3-4 defense, we were asking. Uh, Kayla Vaughn, Chase on, and uh, and Michael Divinity and Marcel Brooks to cover the flat and rush the passer and play uh, play gap management defense and uh, you know and be able to read read the ball and all that. With this, I think it, it frees up our, our linebackers, and that is something we talked about having uh, having some issues with youth next year um, because we're losing you know we're losing both Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen. Uh, you know, hopefully, I would I would think that this um, this move to a three four, I mean a four three, would kind of let our linebackers, uh, you know, kind of tone down what what we're asking them to do and put a little bit more pressure on an experienced defensive line that we'll have coming back, and uh, especially you know just a little like like we're saying you know later on we're going to talk about some recruits if we pick up a guy like Jordan Birch, which who knows you know after after uh, him coming to visit recently. Like that, he could be a game changer. Uh, he'd be a game changer in any kind of defensive scheme, just because of how how physically talented he is. But I think he'd really thrive in a in a four three. Yeah, and to kind of build off that, I think uh, this is a good hire. It's sort of really hard to say at this point how it's going to be, just because the transition from being the the head coach at a at FCS school back to a defensive coordinator at a national powerhouse like LSU is so drastic, but. I think at the very least, this has to be kind of a two-year decision because we know, obviously, that we're losing so much talent on defense. I think like seven or eight starters are either uh, going to the NFL early or just graduating. But and we have all sorts of young talent stepping in to fill those roles. So it'll, it'll be a big uh, challenge for Bo Pelina to coach these guys and really implement his new scheme. But having that young talent does give it, give him a little bit of an advantage and then he can mold them to his scheme over the course of a couple of years instead of having to kind of turn the tide against some crew that's already been a little bit established. So even if we do maybe take a little bit of a step back this year, I don't think 
it would be time to hit the panic button. Maybe after the end of the 2021 season, if things are looking a bit grim, then I don't really know what to do. But this year, I think we'll at least hold as good as we were with Aranda. And then for people who are thinking this may not be as great, I mean, Bo Pelini, his defense was rock solid with LSU back in the early 2000s. They just really don't know Bo. (laughs) No, but they're going to. Uh, They're going to find out real soon. I don't think it's going to take him long. I mean, there might be some some growing pains, you could say, if they switch from, you know, uh, a 3-4 to 4-3 within one offseason. But, like, Pelini himself has shown up that he has shown that he can show up and um, kind of hit the ground running and either maintain or uh, increase uh, defensive productivity because like, he was only at LSU, I think, from 2005 to 2007. Um, but uh, his defense never finished outside of the top three in total defense uh, during that stretch. And like just looking, uh, even his first year there, um, like they only gave up like 14 points a game or something for scoring defense. Uh, so, uh, of course, this was back in you know the mid 2000s. So you know the SEC hadn't really caught up with the rest of college football. That was a lot of ground and pound. So uh, you know I, I think there will be some growing pains. I don't think he can show up in the SEC and hold everybody to 14 points, um, especially not the the Alabamas. And then you also got the Mike Leaches coming and Lane Kiffin. So. Uh, SEC West is about to be very pass-heavy, but I think that's where Corey Raymond and LSU's secondary can at least maintain, if not improve, you know, with the guys they have, the guys coming in. It'll be, the you know, the front seven, um, kind of what you were alluding to earlier about the linebackers and the D-line, because we're going to have to replace a lot of people. But hopefully with Pelini and, uh, you know, the, the schemes he implements, we can draw some of these 4-3 guys, like you said earlier. Uh, you know, Jordan Jordan Birch could could uh, be looking at it differently now if um, if he sees more more hands in the ground. Um, so I'm 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 just really excited. I'm ready to see what Bo Pelini can get in there and do. I'm not worried about their defense at all. I think it'll be better against the run because that's where we got gashed. I think the most this this year. I mean, it didn't hurt us. We still still uh, still won every game mostly handily. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see him. Uh, See him get 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 some guys in there, get some recruiting, and uh, and make it his defense. Yeah, and, and one other thing that um that I kind of like about this hire is I like I like when when coaches bring in uh, coordinators that were that tried to be head coaches and kind of failed. You know, as as bad as that sounds, because you you're not, I don't think you have to worry about him. Uh, you know, of, of course, as if he has a ton of success, the door. You know, people start knocking on the door. People start making phone calls, and and then you know he he he'll get the offers. But initially, and even you know, and for I'd say, you know, three, four, five years, he, it's going to be harder for him, or it's going to be it's going to be we're going to have an easier time retaining him uh, as a as a defensive coordinator because anytime someone brings him up as a as a potential. Uh, head coaching hire, they're going to look back at his time at Nebraska. And, you know, I think that almost helps us. Whereas with Aranda, you know, he'd never had a head coaching job and his name was, you know, especially this season, it was like every other week he had a, you know, he had a different job. He was going to be introduced as this coach or that coach or this coach. And eventually he did leave. I think that, um, it, you know, it's, it's harder for a, a 
past failed head coach of a big-time program to get that second chance. And, you know, this hire kind of reminds me of, um, of when Alabama picked up Lane Kiffin after he kind of, you know, failed as a head coach. And he stayed there for a while, and, you know, he left. He did, when he left Alabama, he didn't leave to go to, you know, some top-tier program. He went to FAU. And so I don't think that, uh, that you know, I don't anticipate Polini trying to jet off to, to another, you know, tiny school again after, if he has a little bit of success at LSU. So I think that's good that we can, you know, we can build a program around uh, a stable defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, and I think um, I, I, I will, well, I'll agree with some of what you said. Now I'll may disagree a little bit, uh, but yeah, like pulling him from Youngtown state, um, yeah, I mean, he wasn't going to field any other head coaching offers. It's it's not likely that he would. But um, I don't think his head coaching tenure, at least at Nebraska, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he just fizzled out or plopped. Like, they got rid of him only because he couldn't surpass, like, a nine-win season. He didn't win the conference title in, I think, 2014, and they're like, all right, well, you know, it's, I think it's time to move on. But he, he, he'd never had less than nine wins. Uh, and this was, you know, the old, the, the new end slash old Big 12. He was, I think, 66 and 27. Um, like, nobody, no, there was one other coach, I think, since Tom Osborne that had that type of winning success at Nebraska. And the two guys that have been there since, Mike Riley and, uh, and Scott Frost, like, their records together are 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 not enough to 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 even get a winning percentage. So um, you know it's funny. It's like we people were saying all oh, before you fire miles. You know, just think of what you're going to do, what you're giving up. Well, you know they did, and we you know we found something a little bit better. Um, but it's not that wasn't the case with Nebraska. You know they got rid of Pelini, and they have been in the cellar ever since. Uh, but I do think that he's not really going to get lured away somewhere from a head coaching position just because he has defensive success at LSU. Um, so I don't think they would have to worry about that. But, you know, you never – who knows what's going to come his way and what he has left to do on his personal bucket list. But um, we have him here, we have him now, and that's all we need to worry about. I'd give him – I'd say at least two years, maybe maybe even bet on three before, before we'd have to find, uh, you know – Maybe start looking for someone to replace him. But you never know. Texas A&M may want him next year, and we have to fend them off, so we'll see. Yeah. Do you want yeah. to you yes. talk about uh, what happened? That was my rant. Do you want to talk about what happened this past week in LSU uh, football recruiting a little bit? They had a couple notes. Yeah, yeah. what you got? Yeah, Daniel. Uh, well, this really <laughs> – I guess I'll start it off then. Well, literally like 30 seconds after we stopped recording last week's podcast, we got a commitment from four-star running back. Uh, I hope I don't pronounce his name wrong, but Cavantre Bradford out of Lancaster, Texas. And he's a 5'11 running back four-star, number 13 in the country. So obviously that's a very big pickup for the Tigers who were without a running back in this 2020 class. And so he's committed uh, the National Signing Day is actually coming up on Wednesday, so watch out for him. And we got four other guys who have committed, but you have yet to sign. So uh, hopefully they'll swing the pin our way and not somebody else. And but that's a big pickup, and it also kind of shuts the door on any and all Zach Evans rumors. He'll be going somewhere else. He w- won't want to compete with this guy. But uh, yeah, shout out to Contre Bradford for taking the spot. Uh, he's doing good. Maybe not the most heralded recruit. I watched a couple highlights. He definitely has some explosiveness. 
Uh, he will be kind of buried in the depth chart for a couple of years behind our other very talented running backs, but hopefully he'll work his way into the fold here soon. Uh, other kind of interesting note is he's, goes to the same high school, same class as cornerback LaRondo Johnson, who's also committed but not signed this year. So I'm sure he was kind of in our camp trying to get him to come. So that's cool that we got two players in the same class there. And then I think that was the the major news from this week. Jordan Birch on campus. Oh, very true. Yeah. Like number three overall uh, defensive end, Jordan Birch was on campus for a visit, unofficial visit. He's already committed to South Carolina. Yeah, so Jordan Birch, top-rated, you know, defensive end, really talented, Hammond, South Carolina. Y'all have heard it before. If not, you can look him up. But, anyways, he's a great player. He, uh, for all the rumors say he wants to go to LSU, you know, he he believes in Coach O, he wants to be a Tiger, all that. But his mom doesn't want him to move away from South Carolina, which is fair. And uh, so he came down for another official, uh, or an unofficial visit, um, from what we heard, from what we heard, he got uh, a lot of you know kind of up close time with the uh, with the coaching staff with Coach O. His, I think his mom was there, so she got to meet him. It's all good stuff. I don't. I wouldn't hold your breath on him. He, I, you know, seems like he's probably still going to stick with South Carolina. But a visit this close to signing day can't hurt our chances. And like you said earlier with Bo Pelini, you know, bringing in a, a different defensive scheme, maybe he feels like he can he can fit in with a defense like that. You know. I think that that increases our chances. You know, if, if it was like 20% before, maybe we get up to like 35, 40%. I mean, I'll take that. You know, for a guy who was who committed on or, or committed on early signing day to South Carolina, um, you know, let's let's see what happens in a couple of days. But um, you know, it, I, I I don't think I don't think he's uh, he's dead in the water right now for LSU. So you're saying there's a chance. That's all we need to hear. We'll take we'll take a little bit of hope. Uh, who knows? Maybe he'll go full Landon Collins on his mom, and he'll just surprise her right there at signing day, and it'll just be some some beef. But uh, you know, he should be able to go where he wants. I, I know his mom probably wants him to stay there. What for? Just proximity, so she can go to every game. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it was something like that. Uh, that's I think that's usually what it is. Um, but I don't know. I just I hope these kids make them decisions for themselves and not for their parents because, you know, typically they're in three years' time, they're going to be making a decision for their parents anyway if they decide to go pro early. And, you know, if, he's, if he turns out to be as much of a stud in college as he is in high school, uh, that's likely what's going to happen. So I feel like he should be able to at least make one decision for himself. I, I just think it would be a, a tough choice to, to, go, to choose to cho- go toil away at South Carolina, because I mean, you know, it's the SEC, but still, South Carolina is not a—it's not even a, a competitive team, really. I mean, they did produce Jadavian Clowney. No, yeah, but well, that was a, that was under a different coach at a different time. So they had uh, Stephen Garcia and uh, what was the Marcus um, Lattimore? Marcus Lattimore, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, but he he chose to stay home too. It was it was a it was a home pride thing. It doesn't sound like he's staying home because he's you know wants to represent South Carolina. He's just staying home because he feels guilty about not letting his mom see more games, I guess. Um, but you, you know we were up at thirty five percent, so we'll see. We shall see. Uh, but I, I think that was one of the selling points for uh, you know Jacqueline Roy was trying to sell these guys on. I was like, look, look who's already here. We are here. 
Um, look, there's already some good guys on the roster. They just had, you know, one of the greatest seasons in college football. You could be one of the, you could be part of one of the best defensive lines in college football because they're all going to be there at the same time. They're all going to be starting off. So, uh, I don't know. Hopefully that's something that sticks out to him more than, you know, appeasing his mom, but time will tell. I think, I think the tough, I I did see a picture on, uh, on tiger droppings of him in a uh, in a seven number seven uh, South Carolina jersey, so I do think you know he he might be trying to uh, you know be that Jadavion Clowney type player and kind of take over that mantle. Um, you know, hey, give it a couple of years, you can wear seven for LSU too. So <laughs> and you yeah. can be that you can be that you know uh, all to all world uh, defensive end for LSU. But we'll see. You know, two two days from now is. Uh, and all the cards will be on the table, and we'll find out where everybody is. But like I said, having him on campus this close to signing day is a good thing for LSU. Uh, we're gonna, you know, it give it it, it definitely increased our chances, and I think we'll, um, you know, a, a month ago we thought we thought he was a hundred percent to South Carolina, and from then on he's kind of ticked back towards LSU. And I like the momentum we have going into signing day. Yeah, and it looks like they may have to, uh, you know, another spot possibly two to fill. Um, offensive lineman Donovan Campbell has entered the transfer portal. Uh, you know, as we've known from previous cases, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's gone. It's, it's likely. Um, so they'll have uh, that spot and you know, that, that position need to fill. Uh, and then also this past week, um, Deontay Starks was suspended indefinitely. Um, don't know anything more on that other than it was some violation of team rules. So, you know, take, take your guess as to what that is. Um, but I don't know. I guess it remains to be seen if, uh, if he'll still be with the team next year. Um, maybe it's like uh, Michael Divinity and he you know, just has to reach certain uh, benchmarks and he'll be let back on the team. But uh, I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, you know, not much, not much has come out about that. Um, think that if I had to put a guess on it right now, I'd, I'd guess it's something uh, similar to the Michael Divinity situation. So those that know, know. But um, you never know. And I, I hope that there is a path back. I'm not sure. Uh, the one thing that the one thing that's kind of interesting is, you know, it seems like Coach O um, does it. Seems like you know he has his rules, and you either fall in line or or get out of the way, which. Uh, you know, it, it's it, there's de- it's definitely a departure from the Les Miles era, because Les Miles, you know, there was some trouble, and there, there I remember back back when Les Miles was coach, there was trouble with players going to Tigerland to the bars and stuff, and then they stopped going, and then they still went, and so there's always a lot of you know a lot of discipline um, talk about Les Miles' locker room, but uh, it was very cloudy on what exactly that meant. It seems like with Coach O, it's it's you know straight down the line. We have rules, you know, if you break them, there are consequences, which I guess is a good thing. Um, you know, it, there's a, we've had success with it. You know, we won a national championship, so if that's what it, if that's what Coach O feels like it takes to be a championship caliber team, that kind of discipline, then uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, same here. I mean, he already he already won a championship with with his his way of doing things, so. Let's let's go with it. Um, I, I, I'm sure the last thing he wants is to accomplish something, but then have it taken away because you know uh, something comes back to haunt him. Um, you know, I think he takes his job and this and his legacy, especially with LSU, very seriously. 
Um, but uh, that was yeah, that was pretty much it. No, no more uh, recruiting news, at least not now. At least not with football. Uh, is there is there some some other form of recruiting that we had some uh, some news on? Yeah, so most people will have heard of a guy named Shaquille O'Neal, um, and he actually. Oh, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. He, he's a noted uh, basketball player. Oh, okay. He's a, no, he's a, he's a famous DJ. He's oh. a famous insurance salesman with a general, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a. He's son, a famous gold bond man. <laughs> he's got a son, Sharif O'Neal, who's also a pretty good basketball player. And he goes to UCLA, but he has announced that he will be transferring. And he just took a, a visit to LSU this past week and to check it out and kind of see if that could be a potential landing spot for him to go to his dad's alma mater, which I think would be pretty cool. He actually, he's a sophomore at UCLA. He missed his whole freshman year because of a, a heart condition that they kind of discovered suddenly. And then he's been playing kind of sparingly this past year or the, the, the current season, excuse me, um, only averaging like two points a game and a couple rebounds, but definitely has the talent. I think, he, yeah, 6'9", uh, 215, so definitely a body that we could use, and I'm sure he would just bring a whole lot of hype and attention to the program, which is always welcome. So nothing's official yet. He, um, and he actually said hashtag not committed, like on an Instagram post where he was posing the LSU jersey, but still pretty cool uh, to see him there, especially with the recent – success of the LSU basketball program both last year and uh, ongoing this year as we'll talk about here in a second I mean I just think how cool would it be to be able to say that another O'Neal is playing for LSU you know like I think that and that's got to be in the back of his mind right now I would think that he can go to a he can go into a, a locker room and kind of be a star from day one just because it's you know, who his dad is and, and the history there and the fact that his dad has a, a, a statue you know outside of the basketball arena um yeah, I, I hope he, I hope he at least strongly considers it because I think it'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hadn't really followed his career much. I I mean, he went to UCLA. That's a that's a very good basketball program. I don't know, you know, like how extensive his playing time was, or you know, what he was coming out of high school. I don't. Do you do you guys know anything about that? I mean, it'd be great to have him, like you said, for the for the name recognition. But um, I don't know, like if he would come in and contribute right away or if he'd uh if he'd have to like work his way on yeah i mean he was a four-star recruit in the 2018 class and he's had kind of a rocky road uh where he's been so far he was committed to arizona and then decided to go to ucla instead of then like i had mentioned missed out his whole freshman year that was medical reasons you can't blame him for that um but then now he's looking to transfer again you're kind of like what's going on with this guy but uh yeah i'd welcome him especially uh if he does stay on past next year, like because Trenton Watford, people are thinking he might leave for the NBA and Emmett Williams, uh, who's a former five-star recruit, maybe leaving as well. So we'll need some bodies uh, in the front court and where he can fill in for that. So, and obviously depth is, is always great in the basketball game where usually you run the seven or eight man rotation and one guy goes down and all of a sudden everybody else has to be playing like way past what they're used to. Uh, so I'd welcome him with open arms in my opinion. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he's just in a tough situation at at uh, UCLA, where, like you said, he had to sit out his his, year, his freshman year for for medical reasons. And you know, in basketball, like you said, it's it's different to where a lot of freshmen will go in and be plug and play, you know, day one starters, 
and especially at a school like UCLA where you know they're going to get some of the top recruits. I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he just feels like I had to sit out my freshman year. You know, I'm I'm a sophomore and I'm behind the eight ball because of my medical issues and the fact that I'm a little bit older and I'm gonna you know I don't want to be buried in the depth chart. So maybe he's looking to go to a school where he can you know get more playing time kind of right away. That's right. They they beat Ole Miss and Alabama. They actually beat the Crimson out of Alabama. Um, and it's, you know, two games two years ago that they probably would have faltered and lost. But, uh, yeah, Will Wade's got this program flying right. And uh, it looks like everything that he was dealing with last year is behind him. And, you know, they're undefeated in the SEC, won, I think, ten straight games. And, you know, they didn't have quite the, you know, the same – uh, star powers they did last year because of the guys that committed to to the NFL or to the NBA draft. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm starting to think Will Wade might be a pretty good coach. Yeah, he's definitely a good coach. And you know, you bring up the uh, <laughs> the stuff from you know the, the drama or whatever from last year. Is, is it just me, or it just feels like nobody mentions that anymore? Which makes me think, like, was it really a thing? You know, like, was it as big a deal as we thought at the time? Because there, I was saying that literally after they reinstated him, I was like, "Well, it's over. He's back on the team. We're going to move on now." But go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I know that I know that we were going to move on. I mean, clearly, but I'm I'm just saying, like, I just feel like there would be some sort of like, you know, cloud over him or some sort of, you know, the the I feel like the talking heads would say there's some sort of asterisk by every win, but it just seemed like ESPN treats him, you know, treats LSU and treats him pretty well. You know, they talk about how good LSU's playing and. Nobody's saying, like, you know, oh, well, he shouldn't even be coaching right now. Well, they, they can't because then they're going to have to look into everyone else that was kind of ensnared in that, that whole um, investigation scandal, whatever you want to call it, uh, because, you know, Bill Self uh, would also be embroiled in that. So would, um, so would the, the coach at North Carolina. Roy Williams. Roy Williams. Thank you. Roy Williams, yeah. And the, so, and the Arizona coach as well, right? Yeah. So it's like the deeper they look, yeah, it's like Will Wade was just the tip of the iceberg. So I, I don't know. You're right. There has been not a, a peep about it. So I'm wondering if they said, you know what, let's just leave the tip of the iceberg here and just end it here because if we do the rest and just finish what we started, uh, you know, we're just going to kind of rip college basketball apart at the seams, no pun intended. So we'll see. Uh, maybe that's what happened. Or it's still, it's still in the courts. I don't know. I mean, it, was it? This was completely separate, though, from the um, the college admissions scandal, right? Like this was a completely oh, separate yeah. issue that the feds were okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just bouncing around courts, and there's just nothing new to report. Yeah, you know, I just I, I just remember how how uh, if you remember, Dick Vitale was just giving LSU like the hardest oh, time last year relentless. about the whole thing, and. Now it's like, you know, oh, hey, LSU, the Tigers, baby. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, who knows? I mean, I'm glad, but, I, again, I think it's kind of weird. Don't want to overshadow the, uh, you know, that was a little bit of a departure from how well we're playing. You know, Skylar Mays playing like an absolute stud. Trenton Watford, I think he's an upgrade from uh, from Nas Reed. And, uh, you know, my, my boy Marlon Taylor, who uh, – I had a few classes with that was kind of cool. He uh, he had an awesome dunk in the uh, in the Alabama game. So you know, yeah, they're, everyone's they're rolling a bit, on. 
they're playing a little bit different style than last year with the the two stars, Tremont Waters and Nas Reed. The game completely kind of flowed through them. Tremont Waters running the point, directing everybody. He could slash and dish it out. And then Nas Reed just kind of bodying people up on the block, pulling down all sorts of rebounds. And then everybody else was kind of like bit players in that, like Skylar Mays knocking down a three or like Javante Smart making a slash to the basket or something like that. But this year, I think I feel like it's much more balanced. You check the, the stat sheet and almost every single game is somebody new, like leading the team in points or rebounds or whatever uh, between all their starters, Smart, Watford, uh, Mays, Emmett Williams, and like Darius Days and Marlon Taylor. Everybody just kind of rotates in and out, does their job, and is efficient. And that's uh, it's good to watch. They, they seem to mesh really well. And like you had mentioned last week, Tommy, their offensive rebounding is definitely a big strength where they get second chances on probably like close to half or more of their misses, which still definitely demoralize the opposing team. If you, get, you get a stop and then whoop, they're right back in at you. Uh, so they're just playing a great ball. If for the, the fans out there watching, they got Vanderbilt coming up this Wednesday. Vanderbilt's pretty abysmal. They're last in the SEC, so expect us to clean them up and then move on to at Auburn on Saturday, which is the biggest game of the year so far. Uh, Auburn ranks number 11, so Battle of the Tigers in Auburn, Alabama. So if we can step up and win that game, we put ourselves in great position to finish first in the SEC and, yeah, get a, a top seed in the tournament. But if we lose, things may not be looking quite so rosy. Uh, but, yeah, I think we'll come through and at least give them a great game. Yeah, did anybody watch the, the uh, Kentucky-Auburn game last weekend? I did, not. I did yeah. I heard for, about uh, it. I did for most of it. Auburn uh, pulling out the win. Uh, yeah, it was at Auburn, yeah, and Kentucky came to town and they, they knocked them off, so that was good for them. Yeah, no, I mean, the, it's a, I think that LSU, you know, has played – they played well, super well this year. Um, I'm excited to see that game. Auburn's looking good. Kentucky, you know, is perennially looking good. Although, I, you know, I was I was saying it last uh, last week. It just seems like the the standard teams that are always, you know, number one, two, and three, like Duke, Carolina, you know, North Carolina, uh, Kentucky, all that. You know, they're really not um, absolute. You know, the absolute top. So, uh, you know, who knows when, when the when it comes tournament time, maybe uh, maybe LSU can make a run. Yeah, maybe, um, and they would be doing it on the, uh, well, the the fiftieth anniversary of uh, Pete Maravich being the all-time scoring leader. They actually celebrated that this past week at the PMAC. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I saw something. Uh, you know, one of those those LSU guys tweeted it was uh, LSU now holds the you know the leading or the the highest score uh, in basketball and football with Pete Maravich. And Joe Burrow. So, who who'd have thought that? Who who'd have thought that we could have we could have said that uh, earlier this past year? But um, but there you have it. The highest um, I, I think it was most points scored because uh, Joe Joe Burrow led the nation with that. And uh, Pete's Pete's record still standing. So uh, just what an amazing accomplishment. Uh, and they actually gave out T-shirts right to like the first I think ten thousand. Ah uh, man, I wish I could have made that drive. It was a cool, cool shirt. Uh, even had him with the floppy socks and all. Um, but yeah, that would be something if LSU could, uh, if they knocked off Auburn, then maybe people started to take them seriously. Because up until now, they go, yeah, that's good. You know, they've won ten in a row, which you know, LSU never does. But it's, uh, uh, but they haven't played anybody. Well, I guess you know that that'll change Saturday when they play Auburn. So. Um, 
Yeah, we got it. We got anything else we wanted to cover? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. We ran the gauntlet this week. We'll have a. Uh, yeah, the big basketball news after next week, and I guess anything else that develops. Um, I haven't really heard of anything. I, I think we neglected to mention that LSU basketball is ranked uh, 18th in the country in uh, both AP and coaches' polls, and we were 22nd when we recorded last week, so moving on up. I think this is our, our highest ranking of the season, so uh, very good for them, especially for uh, quote-unquote football school, gymnastics school. <laughs> Quidditch school. National champion Quidditch team, LSU. Is that true? Yeah, I think oh, I think it is. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, that's LSU Alexandria, though, not not in Baton Rouge, right? Oh, is it really? I thought it was real LSU. <laughs> Joking, I, I have no idea. Uh, no, I'm pretty I sure they okay, so had a Quidditch team. When I um when I visited before my freshman year, and, like I was on the tour, we were walking by the the parade ground, and these people were running around with brooms under their legs, you know, throwing the ball around or whatever. My mom was like, "What are they doing?" Like, I was like, "Oh, that's the Quidditch team." And she was like, you mean like on Harry Potter? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's collegiate Quidditch. And we were all like, what? And he's like, yeah, they actually won the national championship <laughs> or competed in the national, you know, they made it real far or something like that. So, um, you know, anybody out there who's listening and wants to be a Quidditch player, um, I, you know, take your official visit to LSU and uh, come check out the Quidditch team. I know that almost sounds like LARP, this live action role playing almost, but I guess it is a sport, so it's as long as you're getting some exercise, that's fine. Um, oh, one other thing we we forgot to to mention, LSU did have uh, some some football hires in addition to Bo Pelini. Uh, they also hired some uh, offensive and defensive personnel, some staffs. They hired uh, Russ Calloway as a senior offensive analyst. Uh, he was the uh, offensive coordinator at Samford University. Um, and they have also hired Tyler Tittleton, um, who has actually he played college where Joe Burrow's dad was the coach. They were there at the same time. Um, and Tittleton was actually in the offense. He was the team's quarterback. Uh, and then he, he actually has coached in the NFL with the Jets and the Browns. And he, uh, he also worked under Lincoln Riley, so... You know, maybe maybe this guy could be our 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 next Joe Brady. Uh, you know, this offensive analyst that kind of helps find us some new formats and, and plays. Uh, and they also had hired on the defensive side, uh, actually from Bo Pelini's crew, Youngstown State, defensive coordinator Donald D'Alessio. Uh He's just going to be an analyst. Uh, I guess Bo wanted to bring somebody with him, so he brought him. Um, but just wanted to get that out there. Some more hires for LSU in the. Uh, in the off season, so we'll let you know if anyone more surfaced. But um, having said that, was that all we had? I think so. I just wanted to okay. just wanted to say a little joke that the the FBI wiretap guy that implicated Will Wade, uh, kind of the pay for play. They he's now known as the Purple and Golden Snitch. So that's a little LSU Quidditch joke for you. <laughs> the golden wow. Snitch. Wow. All right, Daniel. I think that means it's time to end the pod. <laughs> I think that's it. Okay, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, especially on that note, on that golden snitch note, uh, I think that's going to do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to have some, obviously, some basketball news, and we might have some more football news uh, for you, depending on what comes out this week. So uh, check back in with us, and we will talk to you next time on Talking Tigs. Talking Tigs.
Go Tigers.